Hey, Soma Church, I am excited to present a new teaching format for Soma Downtown with this podcast. So with the Soma Downtown digital gatherings, we are, I've been wanting to take a page out of Soma Northwest book as they've been doing some roundtable conversations, and I wanted to experiment with that as well as a teaching method as opposed to a monological sermon, and that's what this podcast is. Uh, now, a couple things to note. I told the participants on this podcast roundtable that it would be edited down and not everything they had to say needed to be ready or you know conscious that it would be aired. Uh, but it's not edited down at all, actually. It's, it is the conversation as it happened, and I really like it that way. I really think there's a lot of great uh, moments. And yes, there's some gaps or some moments where people pause and think or maybe where we go back or kind of like are conscious of the fact that we can edit it and then turn out to not edit it. But yeah, I just think overall it kind of works as just a, a, a splice of life conversation uh, amongst uh, me and some of our members. It's, uh, it's really just theory of getting enough uh, wonderful, mature uh, believers in a room and turning on the record button and just letting what happens happens and letting a conversation unfold. So it's not all polished. Um, not all thoughts are meant to be equally authoritative as teaching for the church. Uh, but at the same time, it was a great conversation and I hugely enjoyed it and was edified by it. And I think you will be too. Uh, also, the recording issues are gloriously there. And it was, this is not your pleasant listening experience. The audio is extremely uneven. That was due to us not being able to get uh, all the microphones to work. So we had to function. Uh, we were trying to be socially distanced as we had this conversation, be responsible. And we had to function with just a couple mics on a table and we all were sitting back from them. And so you don't pick everybody up evenly. Uh, I, my audio is not even even throughout the whole thing. And sometimes I'm loud, sometimes I'm quiet. If all people start talking at once, it gets very difficult to hear uh individual things or, or at least just whoever's the loudest kind of wins out um tim landrum is a part of this interview uh and he is like an audio vampire i went back and looked at his his levels and i i saw them while we were recording and then i went back and like everybody else you can see audio levels when they speak in him you don't see anything but you still hear something he is the quietest and it's really a, it's it's a bummer because he was just dropping some some brilliant stuff but you can hear it you might have to turn it up loud and uh, and be back and forth in the dial on on him between other voices. So, uh, yeah, again, this is not just going to be something where you're just going to sit back and ease into a nice bubble bath and listen to. Uh, maybe, well, I don't know. But, um, you know, if you do that sort of thing. Uh, sounds wonderful, actually. So, uh, yeah, again, this is the larger teaching for this coming weekend. And though I will uh, still be giving a shorter meditation during the digital gathering on this topic, uh, this is still what I'll refer to as um, the, the, the meta-teaching. So with that, enjoy. Hey, so Church, this is Kent, and I am here for this week's teaching. And as we have been talking about just in the midst of COVID-19 and doing different things or trying different ways of exploring teaching or ways of equipping the church, this week is an example of that as we are doing our first of what we're calling roundtable conversations. So I am here with a group of our members, and I'll let them introduce themselves in a moment. 
and we are here to simply have a conversation. Uh, this week, the teaching topic is the spirit and the gift of unity and maturity, uh, which not many people think of as a spiritual gift, but in many ways, it's probably only the foundational gift, one might argue. And so we're gonna have a conversation about that, but first we'll start by going around and having everyone introduce themselves. I'm Julie Landrum, and we have the Fountain Square sort of Irvington combo MC, and I'm a mom and work at, for the Heartland Film Festival. And I'm Tim Landrum. Have a name to it, I don't know. Uh, I think it's it's one of the St. Clair Place MCs. Yeah. Um, okay. There's some are geographical, some are wow, uh, <laughs> the Lau uh, MC, the Lau Cook MC, one of the St. Clair MCs. Okay. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan. Sorry, I'm in uh, a Wednesday night MC in, with the Lau's in the St. Clair area, um, and I work in sports marketing. I'm Michael Kinneman. I am in the Landrums Fountain Square Irvington MC, and um, I just basically do a bunch of creative um, freelance stuff. So um, probably the top of the list would be um, real estate and portrait photography, and then I also edit book manuscripts for people. Yeah, so the purpose of having a conversation here is just because, as someone we talk about all the time, that there's no sacred secular divide. There's no sense uh, that there are certain people that are paid to do ministry and think about theological things and apply scripture to their lives and the world around them, but that's the call of the whole church. And so this is simply just a conversation of uh, the church uh, just to equip and to bring unity and maturity amongst uh, ourselves through the Spirit. So, uh, yeah, I start with the question of when we think of the spirit most people think of like the really sensational stuff when you think of uh prophecy and healing and tongues and all the things that are like you know the marquee gifts of the spirit but unity and maturity is maybe not where most people start but again i would say it's maybe most foundational about the spirit uh so what would you say like would you say that really is a spiritual gift am i over interpreting that am i overthinking that is that supernatural say something. Yeah, I think it is um, maybe not a spiritual gift in the way that we take tests and have a spiritual gift identified yes, gift to, yes. to us. Yes. Um, but a gift, in a, a gift in the sense that it is um, given to us from above, from God. Um, and yeah, I think um, sanctification, discipleship, maturity, whichever word you want to um, use most often there is one is perhaps the most um, important part of the Spirit's 
gifting and role in our lives. Mm. Um, one thing that I'm always encouraged by in that sense is you look at a lot of other um, world religions, faith traditions, where um, you had a leader that came to the world and talked about how to live a good life and left and said good luck with that. <laughs> um, whereas we as um, believers in Christ and followers of Jesus have been gifted the spirit to actually be able to do those things um, beyond just our own effort and um, trying and striving, but through an actual empowering of something that um, is unique to us as believers and something that was a clear gift and important thing that Jesus left behind for us. Okay, so uh, if I'm the person who's like saying, yes, Jesus said they let, he left me this powerful thing called the Spirit, but on the average day, I don't feel that empowered. I don't feel like uh, sanctification is easy. In fact, I think it's the hardest thing in the world to actually do all the things that, like the Sermon on the Mount seems completely insurmountable to me. Uh, what, you know, what would you say to that person who's like struggling with the sense of like, I don't feel like I have, if that's true, then I don't have the Spirit. Sort of and that's for anyone. Uh, I'll give one short answer. I would say, yes, it is a hard thing to do on our own. Um, I'd say that, again, one of the encouraging things to me is, again, if we're in Christ, like, we are being sanctified. That's, again, part of the <laughs> benefit, I'm using air quotes, of, of having the Spirit in our, in our lives is that um, sitting here just talking with you all today, somehow, I like, the Spirit's actively sanctifying me. Um, I don't see it right now, but I wouldn't be surprised down the line if um, I noticed something about the last month of my life that um, God was doing that was uh, maturing me. You look like you had something. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to cut out all this. No, keep it. Still there. <laughs> no, keep it this. Instead of you actually um, saying that you were a mom and worked for Harlan, that's for them to play. So. Nice. <laughs> um, so the first thing I thought of was um, God has already given us everything we need. It's just a matter of stepping into that and using it. And the spirit is like actively involved in all of that, like reminding us that we need to step in and use what he's been given. Um, yeah, and, and so what I mean by use what we've been given, so like we've been given the Bible and there are promises in there and there are truths so Such as no plague will come against you. Right. Yes. We need to claim that one. Uh, name it. <laughs> um, we're not prosperity gospel people. Well. I'm not trying. <laughs> um, but everything that is good is hard. Like the good things are the hard things, you know, the things that are hard and that we have to work for. Um, and so it shouldn't be a surprise that maturity is hard and we don't always like it, but, um, the more steps you take, um, through the Holy Spirit, the, you know, that's how maturity grows and that's part of the gifting is that, you know, using all the things that God has given us, the truth of his word. And I mean, I've had to like write down 
versus like and keep them in my pocket and that has been really powerful because the enemy wants to tell me lies about who I am and um, like you're not you're worthless you're powerless you can't control even yourself how are you going to control your life or something there's lots of different lies that we get told and writing down the truth of what God has said I am bought, I am paid for, there's no condemnation anymore. And then keeping them with me and pulling them out every time those lies come. The Holy Spirit is involved in that. Like, he's the one to remind me, like, that's a lie, Julie. And I can, you know, pull the scripture out. So it's like a cooperation, um, a working together in, in every, all of that, like, is maturing. Mm -hmm. The whole process of, you know, being a Christian is hopefully one of maturity.
kind of off of what Tim was saying there that, I mean, as I was writing the liturgy this week, one of the things that popped out to me was a, a lot yeah, of... Michael's the one who writes the liturgy every week, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And he's looking for more people to write the liturgy with. And hey, thanks for that plug. I needed that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> as I was... Um, engaged in the best part of my week, which is writing liturgy uh, <laughs> this week, I, I noticed in, in a bunch of verses in First and Second Corinthians that w when Paul was talking about gifts of the Spirit, it, it was always in terms of, like, how does this help other people? These gifts are given to you not just as a gift, but to help others. And there's that part where he's talking about speaking in tongues, and he's saying, yeah, it's great to speak in tongues, but make sure there's an interpreter there, or maybe just, like, keep it to yourself, if not. And it, it, it so I suppose in that way, right. <laughs> I, I suppose in that way, maturity and unity are, um, they, they make sense as a gift of the spirit in that. <laughs> Sharon doesn't call that <laughs> Oh, that's the sign. Uh, I don't remember what I was saying at all. Yeah. Corinthians. I think it was something about the best part of your week. Oh, the liturgy. <laughs> we need more liturgies. That's. you good. Um, hmm. You said something about the gift of unity. Yeah, it being very foundational to everything that is outward focused and um, just serving others. Um, I, I guess also I'm, I'm thinking about question that you started with um, mm -hmm. it was something along the lines of like um, how do I know if I'm living in the spirit or what could you say it one more time Ken or you probably don't have it written down I know I do have it written down but that's not what I I don't think that was my original question but I'm interested in your answer to this question now so the question I started with was that most people think dispensational giftings like prophecy healing tongues and what was the second question? Uh, was that just one you were Oh, how does the Spirit bring unity and maturity? Yeah, maybe. It was, okay. it was the something. Follow the follow-up was if someone's not feeling that. Yeah, oh, so, yes, something along those lines. Yeah, right. Yeah, do you remember it? It was something effect of like, if I feel like, I, like I'm like i empowered to live in the Spirit, but yet that doesn't, I don't feel yeah, empowered. Yeah, exactly, feel like, exactly. Yeah, yeah so um, I was reading Francis Chan's Forgotten God, uh -huh. and it was just super challenging in the like, yeah, okay, so the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. But how many how many times did you do you feel like that? Or do you have people look at your life and say, there is someone who is filled with the Spirit? And one of the things that he kind of, because he's kind of bothered by this, he's just asking questions. And he, he kind of comes up with the answer, well, how often are you actually living in a way that makes room for the Spirit? How often, he says like, as a pastor of a church, if I just preach a good sermon, and I've got someone with some slick music, and we have some cool graphics and nice people greeting, we're going to grow. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can do that on your own. Mm -hmm. Anybody can do that. You don't, you don't need the spirit there. And he said, how are we conducting church in a way that people can only look at us and say, wow, that's mm -hmm. the spirit working. And look beyond what you're doing, and not, not use your name, but look and see God. And then how in our own personal lives are we living in a way, and I, I guess it's directed at a Western audience where we just have so many things met for us that we just don't, we don't need others. We don't need to ask God for things. We can make it happen on our own, but how are we providing that space? And I think I was really challenged by that. How often am I actually living with space for the Spirit? So this might be a, a 
tangent, but I'm, in, I'm just interested to hear your guys' thoughts on kind of that thought, both kind of a combination of what you just said and then, then what you said before that was like, there's that sense of, oh, how do I know I'm living by the Spirit or walking by the Spirit? I think a lot of people like interpret that as like, well, if I'm just doing like really crazy, uh, like faith risks, or you know, mm -hmm. like it's like I, yeah, exactly. Like I'm not planning at all what I'm gonna say. I have to preach or get, you know, teach a class, and I'm actually just gonna go in. I'm not gonna pre prepare because the Lord's gonna give me the words, you know. Uh, and then you know, Tim, you were talking about that idea of just like, yeah, living in the spirit is basically all the things of living in the flesh are like living life apart from God. And so yeah, it's like that sense of is living in the spirit or living a life in God, is it like, is it just like, yeah, 24 seven, Jesus take the wheel and throw up my hands sort of thing? Or if not, you know, how does it look different like, than that? How do, how do I balance kind of like this sense of like the radical abandon of what sometimes I interpret people as saying the spirit filled life is and the Proverbs and, you know, how do I, how do I hold a faith that holds those together? Or, or do I, do I just, ditch all the Proverbs and, and wisdom, and is that living in the Spirit? Well, I think it's easy to go to extremes. That's what we're here to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we do in this case. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> ditch the Proverbs. That's right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's easy to go to extremes and in anything, obviously, just with the humanity. Um, but I don't think that's where, where we are, our example is, you know, and Jesus is not an extreme. Um, there are moments of, like, kind of extreme things happening, mm -hmm. but he, he is incredibly balanced. You know, he still eats. You know, he fasts, but then he eats. And he rests and sleeps and um, does small things as well as big things. So I feel like throughout scripture, like we're we are called to a balance um, in our life. Um, the whole, like I feel like the, I mean obviously we're talking about the Holy Spirit because it's mysterious, the Holy Spirit and what He does is mysterious, and I I'm okay with that. Like I'm okay with mystery. It took me a long time to get there, hmm. but like it's a good thing to get to the place where you're okay with mystery because. Because we're dealing with a mysterious God who we're not going to be able to understand completely and 100% how he works mm -hmm. because he is God. Mm -hmm. And if we could understand him exactly in all the ways that he works and all the decisions that he makes, he would not be God at that point. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, that's kind of my always my starting place is like, I don't need to completely understand this. It's okay. Mm -hmm. um, if I don't understand exactly what I have been called to do is, you know, clearly written down, and they're and they are already hard enough. Like I just need to work on this, you know, <laughs> and how it works and how it works with the Holy Spirit helping and guiding, like all of that. I don't have to know necessarily all the hows. I just have to know that it's it's real. And when we call on the Holy Spirit, like like we are going to be answered, you know. Mm -hmm that when we call, God hears us. Um, we have been shown 
example after example in the Bible that, of how that is true. And then I'm sure like each of us can look in our own life and say like, yes, at this point, God, like I called and I was answered. You know, I may not have noticed the answer at that time. I can look back and see the answer now. I can see how God was moving and working now, even in the moment I couldn't see it. So what in this moment am I not seeing or noticing? So Julie dodged the question by saying mystery. <laughs> no, no, I, I actually am really joking because I actually really agree with your answer and I really like the perspective of just like, yeah, like everybody wants the how-to guide, you know, the five steps to living in the spirit. And I feel like I have been more in touch with seeing how the spirit is working and moving or communicating the less I've tried to the more I just get into that. And uh, it's not comfortable and it's not practical and it's not, you know, maybe the most <clears throat> American spiritual way to, to move forward in the spirit, but uh, I don't know if I, we have a choice. So. Can I get an example from prayer, actually? Yes. So, I mean, prayer is obviously talking to God, but expecting a, re a response as well. Like, mm -hmm. it's a two way conversation. Um, and all Odd and audible voice. Well, no. Oh, okay. Wow. Holy Spirit voice. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit is incredibly involved in that process. It is through the Holy Spirit that we can approach God in prayer. And that we can, because of the blood of Jesus, we can approach the throne of grace. Mm -hmm. So um, that whole thing is for, like tuning into the Holy Spirit, um, whether we're conscious of it or not. Um, and one of the things to do the listening part, mm -hmm. like how to engage in that. Um, and one of the examples that I heard was like, if you, you know, don't practice listening, then when you really, really need an answer, um, such as well, when I want to know if I should take a job or move to a city exactly, or marry Exactly, big questions, like, yeah. oh God, I actually need you to answer exactly. this question. Then how do we expect to recognize his voice mm -hmm. if we don't know what it, like we're not used to yeah. hearing it, we're not used to listening in the small things. Because so, I'm just looking for him to say a simple word like Denver <laughs> or marry them. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't need to recognize the voice, I just need to hear those words very distinctly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that one's God's yeah. voice. Fair enough. Fair enough. this kind of like make room for the spirit lead with right, the right. whole like wisdom of mm -hmm. proverbs and stuff like that right i mean because i'm asking in that sense of like the person who's just like every time i've experienced people yeah. talk about the whole spirit it seems to be like that thing where i just need to like com be completely disconnected from any sub-level intellect or rationale or uh sanity or uh predictability and almost just like you know jump off a building and then the spirit's going to catch me sort of yeah, and I feel like that's just that's like the human tendency to to extremes, right? Yeah. The human tendency to like 
the end of it, he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I think this, to me, this is a good reminder to like, check my language and try to use terms of consistency because when he's saying live by the Spirit, that's not saying the same thing that you said just a minute ago where you were like, live our life by the Spirit. I, I, I don't know, maybe somebody that actually knows the original language would correct me, but I think that's a reference to The only thing I'll add is, and I think you touched on this some with your reference to dancing and rhythm this past Sunday, mm. that I think sometimes uh, life in the spirit may look like stepping up to the stage without knowing what you're going to say next as a very broad metaphor mm -hmm. <laughs> or specific example. Or it may I do it every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I have an iPad that has nothing on it. <laughs> if you were to show up for a podcast and they were like, well, there's questions, but you don't know them until. <laughs> so that is what happened today. So, all these people are now walking by the Spirit. As they answer. I'll start over for a Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> for an easy edit. However you want to use it. Yeah. 
So walking in the spirit could be stepping up to the pulpit, the stage, no notes to speak because you feel compelled that God's saying go speak right now. Or I think it could be 12 hours of sermon prep and, uh, or even deferring to somebody else who might have a better idea for a sermon that week in this example. So I think it, it can lead you to either of those you know, different places um, when it comes to our, you know, our daily lives. Um, but it is a, it's a rhythm that I think we have to be attentive to um, when it comes to listening and having a regular um, conversation and interaction with God to be able to discern yeah. what does today have for me? Is it this or that? So you're saying yeah, it's not necessarily the I just jump off a building and expect the Spirit to catch me, or I guess going to your metaphor, I'm not always going to step up with nothing in my head, assuming the Spirit's going to give me the words. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not necessarily always going to study for 12 hours, or not even necessarily always going to speak. Sometimes by learning to discern the Spirit over time, Julie, to your point, of having a regular practice of hearing from the Spirit, and maybe doing it poorly at first, but getting better over time, I can start to discern the moments when the Spirit says, hey, what you worked on for 12 hours, I, I want you to scratch that, and I have something else for you. Or, I actually have something else for the person next to you, you should pass the mic over. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 And, and more, like, very practically, I think a lot of times that communication is, you need to stop what you're doing, because it's going to lead to worse temptation. Mm-hmm. Right, and that prompts, stop now, I know this is a hypothetical person because it was you asking the question, Ken. But if it was, I, it represents if, a real person. If, it, if, if there right was now. a real person, yeah. I would probably ask what what are what what are the motives behind that question? Because it, if it's if it's perhaps is coming if, if it's perhaps coming from fear, okay. then um, I mean I, I grew up in a very conservative church where it was it was less about the wisdom of saying. Uh, what is living by the spirit and more about the fear of um, what might happen, you know? And I think you said this, Kent, that kind of the the very original sin in the garden that man commits is not trusting God. Mm. And so I think there's a very real temptation here to say like, oh, I I don't want to live by the spirit if that means doing all these crazy things because that's not wise, but is that in reality just not trusting Mm -hmm. God and not wanting to open up the possibility that he might speak to you and tell you something that you don't want to hear yeah. or lead your life in a direction that you don't want it to go. And that's a very real possibility. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm afraid of that. <laughs> and, um, I, I think, um, Tim, you were maybe just talking about, um, basically one of the first promptings you're going to get is probably obedience. And if you're not seeing growth beyond, like, why am I not hearing from the Spirit in crazy ways? Are you obeying when you hear the little little voice of, like, 
Hey, probably don't do that. Hey, don't, <laughs> don't continue. gossip about this person. Right. Yeah, right. Am I paying right. that? <laughs> right. Or, yeah. Right. right. And yeah. then, like, okay, well, you're, you're probably, and to your point, Julie, it's like, it's a relationship, isn't yeah. it? And so, if, if you're not listening, I've been reading um, Brother Lawrence recently, The Practice of the Presence of God. And that's, oh, yeah. that's totally out of necessity from realizing now with a one-year-old kid, I can't wake up in the morning and pray. I physically can't get out of bed. <laughs> and so, like, it, it has to be those little moments in the day of, I don't even have words, just I'm trying to be in the presence mm-hmm. of God. And just, like, um, bringing small things to him and starting to... I don't know if it's here audible answers, but kind of feel promptings that I that I think, wow, that's <laughs> I, just through listening, I'm growing more attuned. Like what you were saying, Julie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah, and to your point about the fear and what God may ask you, if someone told me once, like God is a gentleman, and He's not going to force you to do anything, mm-hmm. and He's not going to like if you're not ready to go somewhere, you know about this yet he's not gonna make you you know like like he's a gentleman so he's gonna wait until you're ready and he's going to be kind and he's gonna be gentle and he's gonna be gracious and he's gonna be way nicer than I would be <laughs> you're not a like really yeah. no I'm yeah. not a gentleman right. so that's out the window yeah um but yeah I just I try to remember that when I think about like how I approach myself versus probably how God approaches me yeah you know mm-hmm. thing is that okay, I'm no longer a slave to 
shouldn't be eating when you do things that are self-destructive. Yeah. So this goes into the conversation we were just having about the sense of if I'm wanting to hear God's voice about these major questions in life, but I am not hearing God when he's saying something like, basically, I, a lot of people want to hear God's mystical voice for direction, but I don't want to hear my conscience. Like, I don't want to hear, don't do that, or uh, do do this, you know, like, I don't want to hear things that make me feel guilty or bad, uh, but yet, if I'm hearing you right, there's a level of, sometimes it's like, I'm not good at hearing God for these big, mystical, you know, leap pointing in a direction moments and decisions, because I'm not practicing the regular, just hearing my conscience, which is the spirit, which is, as a believer, that is the spirit infusing and directing and intending my will to align myself with the will of God and the purposes of his kingdom. Oh, I want to follow up to, also, you had, you said a statement, and I, I typed it down. Other gifts don't flourish without maturity and unity. I don't think so. Yeah, you didn't say that. No, 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 you don't, don't think, think I don't think say that. Yeah. I, I, don't think I don't think so. I just don't think that they do. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't think that they do, especially since we know that, like, the gifts were given. Yeah. Right? Like, to demonstrate God's power yeah. as signs for people outside of the church mm -hmm. and inside of the church mm -hmm. to bring about unity. And, it, you know, I mean, if that's, that's part of the unity, the unity part of it. There is no practical working out of it. I mean, if you get a bunch of people that aren't mature, not that I've never been a part of a church where a bunch of people aren't mature. And you're always walking with the spirits. So yeah. You're choosing right. the right churches. Yeah. yeah.
or on in one particular area stuck, you know, like in an area of immaturity. Mm -hmm. And and if we're not, if we just live the rest of our life right there, I mean, I don't think we need to be complaining, like, why isn't God giving me big things or why isn't God these big things happening to me? Like, mm -hmm. well, you're kind of stuck and you're not doing the next thing that he, like the thing that he's asked you. Yeah. And you're just complaining about it instead. Sure. <laughs> I'm ready. Thoughts on that, or my original question, or anything in, in are you gonna, that the spirit you is go? about mine? So, I'll, your question of, that started this stream, how does the spirits bring unity and maturity in our lives? Mm -hmm. The short answer for me is by faith. Um, I did one of my, again, favorite passages in this is, from Galatians 3, um, Paul says, Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? So basically he's saying, you acknowledge and accept that you came to salvation through faith, but now you're trying to get to these other levels of maturity and unity on your own striving. Mm -hmm. um, remember that that's going to happen the same way that your salvation happened mm -hmm. um, by faith and by God's grace. Yeah. So clearly we've talked a lot about things that we can do and be involved with and ways to stay with the Spirit and walk with the Spirit, but it happens still the same way that salvation occurs in our life um, through grace and faith. Messing up with the practical application. <laughs> I'm sorry. Everything's going to be just passive, mystery, faith. Like, what do I do? What do I do to stop and to, to, to create a unified country in the midst of COVID-19 and the ending of social distancing and or not doing that? Uh, no, that's actually a real question I want to get back to in a second. Just like, how do we, uh, like, what do we do as just Christians in this time, like, to try to promote the spirit? Before I get to that, you have something on that. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm not your guy for that. Practical <laughs> questions, man. I, I was, questions. I was gonna go even yeah. more theoretical. I, we're we're heading into the theology of the Trinity territory over here. Yeah, all right, we'll take it. <laughs> well, I, there was oh, you got no, something? you had that right behind here. All right, <laughs> well, um, there's uh, the question of uh, like what was God doing before before creation from all eternity what was he doing and like your answer to that yeah your, your answer to that is supposedly it determines a bunch about um how you view him and what you think about him and um so the i've got a, the verse from um john 17 and it's four and this is jesus speaking he says I, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. And so um, I, I guess with Christian theology, where it differs from a lot of other world religions, that like power is the center of the universe. There is one God. He's alone. You can't love without, other, without another person. Mm -hmm. And so with the Trinity, there is the idea of Father, Son, and Spirit loving each other mm -hmm. since before the world began. And that's where the, the idea of the dance that we've been talking about comes in there. Um, mm -hmm. I think we mentioned that, right? Of like the Father loving the Son, the Son the the three of them loving each other. Yeah. And um, so at, at the heart of the Godhead is love. 
which what we were just talking about is is unity mm-hmm. and that if if the spirit is in you it's always going to be prompting you towards love mm-hmm. because that is at the heart of god himself is loving and serving others and others focused okay well that's perfect that's the that's the transitional comment right there that's right. the bridge because that transitions into that question of if the spirit's in me and leading me towards love and unity and god's love like what does that look like practically for me as a christian here in 2020 in the midst of COVID-19 like you could say that we are arguably a unique time of disunity and not just in COVID-19 we were like probably heading into this like you know we're not exactly you know known for being a really unified country really unified government system uh and then now this is probably even like adding you know salt to that wound or fuel to that fire of now how do you handle this very complex crisis which no one's really ever lived through but yet like yeah it's like now there's like the strongest unity of even the best way even amongst people who think they should handle it in a certain direction how do you do that wisely how do you do that best and so there's a i mean yeah just i feel like this is just been maybe a a peak moment of where we've been the last five ten years of disunity so how do we promote unity promote uh, you know, the, uh, these ones who are exhibiting unity as being filled with the Spirit. Uh, and yeah, maybe that looks like a big national platform thing, or maybe that just looks like something small and practical here that I'm doing in my daily life, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. I'll, I'll throw one thing out, um, very practical. I think we, Ken, you talked about this, and I know you stole it from the Holy Post podcast, so I don't mind uh, Stealing it again, but I don't. Uh, maybe uh, sometimes I say stuff and I hear it on the Holy Post after. Oh say yeah, it, and then I say it again. So they're listening to ours, and then I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to say that's true. Anyways, but. it was the reference to the fact that you know previous crises like this, the tendency in humanity is to um, hoard to. Um, mm-hmm withhold from other people to not be generous, those sorts of things. So I think, you know, one thing for us in the spirit is to do, to not be those things, to, to be, to continue to be generous, um, where we're able to be one of the more moving, like generosity moments in acts is, um, they're told that there's going to be famine in the area. And the response of the disciples is that they, they give more in response to that. So, that's one extremely practical thing, I think. Um, and it might mean finances, it might mean time, um, it might mean a lot of things. I think one thing I have feel like I've seen people doing in response that isn't necessarily hoarding is a lot of shaming of mm-hmm. <laughs> online in particular, of yeah. the choices that people make to spend time with family or um, not go outside to um, give their money here or there. Um, again, that's not something for us in the church to participate in when it comes to, to building unity yeah. um, in the midst of this. Yeah. We're all in different situations. Um, we all need encouragement way more than we need any sort of shame or guilt from each other. This yeah. Time. I uh, I forget who was talking about this. I think maybe Bobby was talking about this, Pastor Northwest. I don't know if he talked about this on a podcast or if he and I had a conversation about really kind of like taking a moment to apply the, the 
1 Corinthians talks about Christian liberties uh, to this moment. And, like, this is a discipleship moment to, like, see, like, there's liberties in how you deal with COVID-19. Some people are going to be more uh, stringent in their adherence to guidelines. Some people are going to be less adherent. And that there's, regardless of where I might think, like, oh, here's where wisdom is or here's where, you know, faith is, I'm going to allow for Christian liberty. And I'm going to say, hey, I don't know the perfect response in this moment. I don't know if my response is perfect in this moment. I don't know if their response is perfect or imperfect. And so I'm just going to allow there to be a range of, and, and I don't know everyone's situation. I don't know all the factors that might cause somebody to be much more stringent than me or some, might cause someone to be intentionally uh, more loose with things because of like maybe the relationships they're investing in or things like that. Like, you know, this is a classic moment to say like, I don't know all the factors and therefore I can give people grace and liberty uh, Christian liberty in this. There's no clear moral answer most of the time. Uh, and I'm allowing people to walk by the Spirit and then also maintain unity with them by, yeah, just allowing their, their situation to be what it is and outside of them, you know, like sneezing into the faces of grandmothers, you know, which, <laughs> if you're doing that, people, what's up, you know? Um, we're calling that wrong here. Yeah, we're calling that out. That's wrong. That's just, that's flat out. There's nothing, there's no, no redeemable quality about that. I mean, that's just bad hygiene in the first place. I mean, even beyond a pandemic. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, where were we? <laughs> Talking about something else more important than this. Actually, whoever's going to say something you can, I almost had a battery in this next, so i got to go grab the, the power cord, and I will try to catch up. <laughs> And you only get like a tiny picture of it on social media. Like people just post like one tiny thing and you don't, you didn't hear the backstory. You don't know anything about the rest of it. Um, but as far as like, I don't know, what I, what I thought of second was like more like me personally and like in dealing with, you know, all of the feelings that come with this situation and all the uncertainty and all of the, things that I can't control, like the people around me, um, when I go outside of the house, when I go grocery shopping, like other people's choices, you know. Um, so in dealing with all of that and trying to walk in the spirit, you know, like what that looks like um, is a daily, a, a daily battle, um, honestly. And I think like that's, where one of the biggest battles is, is in our hearts. It's for our hearts. Like that is ultimately the root of everything is like the battle for our hearts. Um, and so what does that mean now in this moment in history and in my own personal life, in my own you know daily getting up in the morning and facing the day type of situations and just thinking like what do I need to be focusing on what do I need to be putting first and one of the things because um, there have been good things that come out have come out of you know having to have this kind of um, go through this kind of situation 
And one of the good things that, for me, has been um, even more of an intense, like, I really cannot even go through a day without Christ, you know, mm-hmm. without tuning into the Spirit because of this way, you know, these waves of anxiety, waves of fear, waves of stress that are everywhere. Like, you step out your front door, you go to the grocery store, like, that first week, whenever we, it was, like, lockdown, down, everyone's buying everything up, like, it was tangible. Like, you could feel these waves of, like, everybody's stress. And that's a very real thing. That's not, just because we can't physically see it doesn't make it less real. Um, and that's, like, where, you know, stepping into the Holy Spirit and seeking the comfort and seeking the counsel, you know, daily, moment by moment, and even, I mean, I've prayed multiple times and I've started our schoolwork with my daughter praying now. Um, like, we need to ask Jesus for, you know, strength. Like, we need to ask Jesus to be able to do this. We need to ask, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to have a good attitude. We need to ask Jesus to, you know, be able to concentrate. Because my brain, like, I don't know if this happened to you guys, but there are multiple articles about how, like, our brains are not able to concentrate as well because of the the like global trauma of this situation mm. it's it's a thing <laughs> so yeah. it's like good yeah. to, it's reassuring to know that it's happening to everyone else um but yeah but just praying like so it's for me it's like the small things and like the the minutia of the day like we're talking about brother lawrence like while i'm washing the dishes you know um can't listen to the news the way I used to. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to recognize that it's becoming overwhelming. I need to set it aside, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like take those moments to reconnect to God and reconnect in ways that I just haven't had to previously. Mm-hmm. You know, I should probably leave relatively soon for bedtimes, <laughs> but. Yeah. Bedtime. Well, I mean, the what? time it's going to take me to get home. I anyway. guess. Anyways. All right. Time's bedtime, seven? Yeah. You can oh. put them down at six? Oh, seven. Seven. Uh, seven. Yeah. seven. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got to get can. home. Yeah, I got to get home, too. You can establish the culture you want. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Showing up at seven and just saying goodnight doesn't count. The disciples would get down at, like, six, but they wake up at, like, four. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, my There's in-laws a, do that. Yeah, it's a reciprocal. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, a couple of more things yeah. for me. Sound bites that you can <laughs> use however you want. If you were here the whole time. Yeah. I think another unity thing. Um, just as I was just reflecting on what you asked and what you're saying, that there's gonna come a time, and it's probably happening now, where Kent and other leadership in the church are deciding like, how do we start meeting as a church again, mm-hmm. physically, mm-hmm. Um, in a building. And they're probably not going to have a perfect situation or solution that is going to make everybody happy and safe and, um, and all that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you guys <laughs> do a great job. I think you will. Um, but I'm sure there'll be people that um, feel otherwise once the mm-hmm. decisions are made. Like, we didn't start soon enough. We started too late. We didn't do X, Y, and Z. And I think... It's important for us to again give each other a lot of grace mm-hmm. um, when those communications start to come, and if there are families that aren't ready to come back yet um, for whatever purpose, I think there's there's going to be a lot of opportunity again 
to, to shame each other, to um, look down on each other, to feel certain things about leadership because we're not exactly happy with decision making, but um, we're a part of a church body and let's, let's support each other um, and pray for that decision making now and um, be encouraging, especially to our leadership when that time does come. Amen. Sound bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just gonna keep that for, for all future podcasts. Oh, the, yeah. The sign off. You do a great job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My one other thing I wanted to add, um, this is more encompassing than just to this, is way back when you asked something about the person who doesn't feel like they feel the spirit working in their lives and they're not seeing the fruit um, that maybe they once did or never did. I think about um, John 16, 8, Jesus is talking a lot about the spirit here and says, um, when he comes, he'll convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And I think if you have those thoughts, that's evidence of the spirit being at work in your life. The average person doesn't think why am I not maturing the way that I want to mature? Mm-hmm. Why do I see other believers um, here and I want to be at that place too? Mm-hmm. To me, that is like clear evidence um, that the Spirit is working in you and guiding you, and it should be encouraging um, when you have those thoughts rather than discouraging um, or depressing. Um, use those things as evidence that, yeah, you are growing and maturing in the mm-hmm. same that's conviction versus condemnation. Yeah. The spirit doesn't come to condemn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just did convict, right? To push us on this and things like that. It's feeling, because I've struggled with that exact kind of pump, like feeling convicted, mm-hmm. but then the flesh says, that's not conviction, that's condemnation, mm-hmm. right? And then I feel bad because I feel like I should be doing better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's not. Yeah, I thought it's okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. We got started late. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah. Contributing. Thanks for affirming my leadership on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Was your wife, did she come to the women's last day to Genesis? Yeah, on Mondays. Yeah. 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 Say, don't make a plan at all. Because 
sit in indecision, waiting for God to tell you mm-hmm. that uh, this is right or wrong. Because a lot of times, I've, not that I've ever done this before, right? But that's sitting around waiting for permission to mm-hmm. do something that you want to do, mm-hmm. right? Check your motives, right? Ask yourself, am I walking by the Spirit? Asking, am I serving the desires of the flesh or the desires of the Spirit? But make your plan and consecrate it to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give it to God. God will prosper and not prosper it. Mm-hmm. That in no way changes your position with God. Because God has already spiritually prospered you with mm-hmm. riches that we can't even comprehend. Mm-hmm. The most mature Christian ever hasn't been able to even comprehend how great of an inheritance we have mm-hmm. until we no longer see through our own eyes. Yeah. Right? So make your plan. Stuff. I can edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Um, so one of the things, uh, um, going off of what Ryan, I believe, said was that um, you know dur- during wartime, um, people are brought together. There's a common enemy, and like it brings out some of the best in people, mm-hmm. ironically. Mm-hmm. But during pandemics, historically, that's not the case because your enemy is perhaps the people living next door. It's yeah. you're competing against them for resources and jobs and they could potentially be the ones carrying it and so like everyone becomes super fearful of uh, each other and so one of the ways that I've been trying to just be more intentional with just people in our neighborhood is when we're out walking looking people in the eyes and saying hello oh. and just like because I've noticed a lot more people just don't want to look at you yeah. they, they want to cross over to the other side of the street yeah. people are awkward we don't know what to do and just being that one who breaks the tension and says hello, and to a lot of you, that's probably, that seems like, well, what's that, what's the big deal there? But I'm super introverted. I don't care to have a conversation with anyone. <laughs> like, I'm actually trying to actively avoid those people even when there's no pandemic. But, like, <laughs> but, it's uh, a joke. But, um, <laughs> I let Mallory say hello. How about we leave it there? <laughs> but just, just trying to say, like, I, I'm not afraid of you and my relationship with you, even if you're a stranger, is more important to me than whatever else is going on right now. Yeah. And just like, uh, yeah, just kind of take the initiative yeah. on that is kind of one practical thing that mm-hmm. I think has really, uh, I've been trying to practice mm-hmm. during this time. Um, i trying to think I had something else as far as, oh yeah, from a, um, 
and this is maybe more national, maybe this is more the one that you want to edit out, Ken. Okay. But um, from a um, from the perspective of someone that grew up overseas, I think a lot of the Christians around the world look at Christians in America and how they kind of like they don't respect authority mm-hmm. and that they don't understand that. And it's almost a very American thing to kind of protest and like you can't tell us what to do and mm-hmm. that's not from what I read very Christian like Romans um, 13 1 let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is an authority except that which God has established not that I think a bunch of people from somewhere out there protesting on the steps and it, are people protesting in Indianapolis I think it's like in Michigan I've seen it in Denver Dude, there and was stuff. a protest in Indiana yeah. really? I really it's small it was, it wasn't nearly the it was early on it was it didn't get the big play but right yeah right and I, I don't think any some of my members were there but uh, right you were <laughs> I, you know, hey what's up you know what right you yeah but I, I think there's there's kind of generally a much more like don't tread on me spirit in yeah. among American Christians and it, it comes from a like no religious liberty without representation right. man it, it comes from like the um, religious liberties and like fleeing persecution yeah. in Europe but then there's there's just a bunch of it that's like, man, people are just doing the best they can right now. And like we were talking about with just assuming that other people are, assume that your government is doing the best that it can right now with information that is changing constantly. Yeah. And just people don't really know. And like, I, I don't think there's some sort of grand conspiracy by Bill Gates or whoever you want to say, <laughs> say but like, I don't know, just I think on a, on a larger level, just obedience and respect for authority, even if you stupid yeah yeah no, I um, I it was it was on that same line that you're saying and Ryan was saying too about it, it's tough because like you know I am like in a position of leadership so it's like tough to be like the leader like you know talking about like it's really hard season to lead right now but we were talking about uh, just how there was oh we were in a, a meeting with just you know, from across the congregations, and someone from another congregation was like saying to the, the pastor of that congregation, you know, hey, we were talking about MC, and right now people aren't really concerned about like what direction you want to go right now. They just want like clear direction and then give uh, reasoning and then stick to it. And that's just what people want. And then I was jokingly texting someone afterwards like to say like yes like we want clear direction with you know the reasoning and then stick to it unless we disagree with your direction or your reasoning or your decision to stick to it or we disagree with your yeah or the information has changed by the time you made the decision and the decision to stick to the decision and so, I mean, it's like this place, I mean, it was playing out this YouTube video where this woman is like, you I know. I saw that. Yeah, like basically saying like, you know, all businesses are closed unless they're not. And right. all people should stay home unless they don't, unless they can't. Right. Or unless they're too sick to be able to not stay home, then they should right. not stay in their home when not in their home. And I mean, that's like a level of like, you know, pandemonium and confusion and crazy convoluted things that are going on right now. And it's like, you know, we're writing history books right now. No one's been through this in this generation. And it's like, hey, what's the perfect response right now? And man, like, wouldn't it be just beautiful if there was this community known as the church where it was just like, there was this sense of, yeah, we, we recognize a level of, I 
whether I agree or disagree, like I'm more for you and I'm more, I'm, I'm on your team, I'm on your side. Like I just yeah. think of uh, like so many, you know, just growing up as a male in the United States, you're always like in times where like you're just all around like sarcastically cutting each other down. Mm-hmm. And it's fun as long as you're like on top of every joke. But yeah. then like when the pylon happens, that's when all of a sudden it's like, this isn't so fun anymore, but you know, what can you say? You wrote it when you're on top of the wave, you gotta write it now when you're down low. But then like you have those other environments where like, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, just cheesy in the way that people are supportive of each other and yeah. kind to each other. And it is cheesy to us because as Americans and our cynicalness, we're just like, that's not real. People aren't that loving and unified. Uh, but yet when you do experience it, there's something really compelling about it too that I think the church is meant to uh, to be a place like that where you can come in and be a little socially awkward and be and not always have the right thing to say mm-hmm. and not always have the best uh, idea or sometimes just get a little bit too zealous and say something really foolish and yet you're met in an environment of we're more for you than we are trying to jump and be quippy uh, and and sarcastically clever the thing you just said and find ourselves using you to vault our heads higher but rather it's like we're quick to be the ones to lay ourselves down first I forget who said that of just you know oh you, you were saying that of just like breaking the breaking the moment of I'm going to say hi first I'm going to uh you know the cardinal sin uh in American life is like doing something socially awkward and sometimes I'm, I'm convinced that like one of the calls of ministry is just always being willing to be the person in the room to do the first socially awkward thing, mm-hmm. just to break that tension. You know, like, oh, like, are we gonna hug? Like, oh, I go for the hug. No, that was socially awkward because you didn't go for the hug. But it's like, I'm gonna do that because I wanna display a sense of like, I love you, I'm for you, I'm unified to you, mm-hmm. even if it means going in, me looking like the bumbling idiot. Uh, there's just like this natural calling to ministry and I don't think that's true for, for pastors or people who are employed by a church. I think that's true for the whole church. We are called to do the socially awkward thing first to bridge that gap to other people. Yeah. You guys look like you had something? Oh, no? I just got inside. All right. Next time. Well, unless you have any brilliant thoughts to conclude. All right, well, it, it's fitting that we should end on my brilliant thoughts. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, yeah, I hope this has been helpful, um, and yeah, I, we just, I uh, pray that for our church and for us in this time, we can be a unified people, a unified presence, um, it's not unified <laughs> against the rest of the enemy, the outside of the church, but rather is a unifying presence that's bringing people into the